Chapter Eight of Undine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pete Williams. Undine by Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet, translated by F. E. Bunnett. Chapter Eight: The Day After the Wedding. The fresh light of the morning awoke the young married pair. Wonderful and horrible dreams had disturbed Huldbrand's rest. He had been haunted by spectres who, grinning at him by stealth, had tried to disguise themselves as beautiful women, and from beautiful women they all at once assumed the faces of dragons. And when he started up from these hideous visions, the moonlight shone pale and cold into the room. Terrified, he looked at Undine, who still lay in unaltered beauty and grace. Then he would press a light kiss upon her rosy lips and would fall asleep again, only to be awakened by new terrors. After he had reflected on all this, now that he was fully awake, he reproached himself for any doubt that could have led him into error with regard to his beautiful wife. He begged her to forgive him for the injustice he had done her, but she only held out to him her fair hand. Sighed deeply and remained silent. But a glance of exquisite fervor beamed from her eyes, such as he had never seen before, carrying with it the full assurance that Undine bore him no ill will. He then rose cheerfully and left her to join his friends in the common apartment. He found the three sitting round the hearth with an air of anxiety about them, as if they dared not venture to speak aloud. The priest seemed to be praying in his inmost spirit that all evil might be averted. When, however, they saw the young husband come forth so cheerfully, the careworn expression of their faces vanished. The old fisherman even began to jest with the knight so pleasantly that the aged wife smiled good-humoredly as she listened to them. Undine at length made her appearance. All rose to meet her, and all stood still with surprise, for the young wife seemed so strange to them, and yet the same. The priest was the first to advance toward her with paternal arms, affection beaming in his face, and as he raised his hand to bless her, the beautiful woman sank reverently on her knees before him. With a few humble and gracious words, she begged him to forgive her for any foolish things she might have said the evening before. And entreated him in an agitated tone to pray for the welfare of her soul. She then rose, kissed her foster parents, and thanking them for all the goodness they had shown her, she exclaimed, "Oh, I now feel in my innermost heart how much, how infinitely much you have done for me, dear, kind people." She could not at first desist from her caresses, but scarcely had she perceived that the old woman was busy in preparing breakfast, than she went to the hearth, cooked and arranged the meal. And would not suffer the good old mother to take the least trouble. She continued thus throughout the whole day, quiet, kind, and attentive. At once a little matron and a tender, bashful girl. The three who had known her longest expected every moment to see some whimsical vagary of her capricious spirit burst forth, but they waited in vain for it. Undine remained as mild and gentle as an angel. The Holy Father could not take his eyes from her, and he said repeatedly to the bridegroom, "The goodness of heaven, sir, has entrusted a treasure to you yesterday. Through me, unworthy as I am, 
cherish it, as you ought, and it will promote your temporal and eternal welfare. Toward evening Undine was hanging on the knight's arm with humble tenderness, and drew him gently out of the door, where the declining sun was shining pleasantly on the fresh grass, and upon the tall, slender stems of the trees. The eyes of the young wife were moist, as with the dew of sadness and love, and a tender and fearful secret seemed hovering on her lips, which, however, was only disclosed by scarcely audible sighs. She led her husband onward and onward in silence. When he spoke, she only answered him with looks, in which it is true there lay no direct reply to his inquiries, but whole heaven of love and timid devotion. Thus they reached the edge of the swollen forest stream, and the knight was astonished to see it rippling along in gentle waves, without a trace of its former wildness and swell. "'By the morning it will be quite dry,' said the beautiful wife, in a regretful tone, "'and you can then travel away wherever you will, without anything to hinder you.' "'Not without you, my little Undine,' replied the knight, laughing. "'Remember, even if I wished to desert you, the church and the spiritual powers and the emperor and the empire would Im interpose and bring the fugitive back again.' "'All depends on you.' "'All depends on you,' whispered the wife, half weeping and half smiling. "'I think, however, nevertheless, that you will keep me with you. "'I love you so heartily. "'Now carry me across to that little island that lies before us. "'The matter shall be decided there. "'I could easily, indeed, glide through the rippling waves, "'but it is so restful in your arms, "'and if you were to cast me off I shall have sweetly rested in them once more for the last time.' Huldebrand. Fool as he was of strange fear and emotion, knew not what to reply. He took her in his arms and carried her across, remembering now for the first time that this was the same little island from which he had borne her back to the old fisherman on that first night. On the further side he put her down on the soft grass and was on the point of placing himself lovingly near his beautiful burden, when she said, No, there, opposite to me. I will read my sentence in your eyes, before your lips speak. Now, listen attentively to what I will relate to you. And she began. You must know, my loved one, that there are beings in the elements which almost appear like mortals, and which rarely allow themselves to become visible to your race. Wonderful salamanders glitter and sport in the flames. Lean and malicious gnomes dwell deep within the earth. Spirits, belonging to the air, wander through the forests, and a vast family of water-spirits live in the lakes and streams and brooks. In resounding domes of crystal, through which the sky looks in with its sun and stars, these latter spirits find their beautiful abode. Lofty trees of coral with blue and crimson fruits gleam in their gardens. They wander over the pure sand of the sea, and among lovely variegated shells, and amid all exquisite treasures of the old world, which the present is no longer worthy to enjoy. All these the floods have covered with their secret veils of silver, and the noble monuments sparkle below, stately and solemn, and bedewed by the loving waters which allure from them many a beautiful moss-flower and entwining cluster of sea-grass. Those, however, who dwell there are very fair and lovely to behold and for the most part are more beautiful than human beings. Many a fisherman has been so fortunate as to surprise some tender mermaid as she rose above the waters, 
and sang. He would tell afar of her beauty, and such wonderful beings have been given the name of Undines. You, however, are now actually beholding an Undine. The knight tried to persuade himself that his beautiful wife was under the spell of one of her strange humors, and that she was taking pleasure in teasing him with one of her extravagant inventions. But repeatedly as he said this to himself, he could not believe it for a moment. A strange shudder passed through him. Unable to utter a word, he stared at the beautiful narrator with an immovable gaze. Undine shook her head sorrowfully, drew a deep sigh, and then proceeded as follows. Our condition would be far superior to that of other human beings, for human beings we call ourselves, being similar to them in form and culture. But there is one evil peculiar to us. We and our like in the other elements vanish into dust and pass away, body and spirit, so that not a vestige of us remains behind. And when you mortals hereafter awake to a purer life, we remain with the sand and the sparks and the wind and the waves. Hence we have also no souls. The element moves us and is often obedient to us while we live, though it scatters us to dust when we die. And we are merry, without having aught to grieve us, merry as the nightingales and the little goldfishes and other pretty children of nature. But all things aspire to be higher than they are. Thus my father, who is a powerful water-prince in the Mediterranean Sea, desired that his only daughter should become possessed of a soul, even though she must then endure many of the sufferings of those thus endowed. Such as we are, however, can only obtain a soul by the closest union of affection with one of your human race. I am now possessed of a soul, and my soul thanks you, my inexpressibly beloved one, and it will ever thank you if you do not make my whole life miserable. For what is to become of me if you avoid and reject me? Still, I would not retain you by deceit. And if you mean to reject me, do so now, and return alone to the shore. I will dive into this brook, which is my uncle. And here in the forest, far removed from other friends, he passes his strange and solitary life. He is, however, powerful, and is esteemed and beloved by many great streams. And as he brought me hither to the fisherman, a light-hearted, laughing child, he will take me back again to my parents, a loving suffering and soul-endowed woman. She was about to say still more, but Huldbrand embraced her with the most heartfelt emotion and love, and bore her back again to the shore. It was not till he reached it that he swore amid tears and kisses never to forsake his sweet wife, calling himself more happy than the Greek Pygmalion, whose beautiful statue received life from Venus and became his loved one. In endearing confidence, Undine walked back to the cottage, leaning on his arm, feeling now for the first time with all her heart how little she ought to regret the forsaken crystal palaces of her mysterious father. End of chapter 8 Recording by Pete Williams, Pittsburgh, PA